0: Pastor Marshall was talking about the Ohana night, our marvelous Ohana night, and it's going to be at 6 o'clock uh, this Friday. So if you do have children in our, our children's ministry, then please come because we're going to unveil some things that is super exciting. Uh, like I would like to tell you tonight, but I, I have to wait uh, till Friday night. Seriously, there's, there's so much to talk about because this is going to change the way church is done in children's, mis- uh, in children's ministry Uh, As far as I can see, it's not just going to be at this church, but there's just a way that uh, we're going to be uh, bringing in teaching as well as the way our children are going to be learning that is so creative and uh, you will be excited about it. So if and so hopefully you can come Friday night uh, if your children are in our children's ministry Uh, and then if not, you'll be seeing it happening, you know, throughout the years and months. Uh, but if you, if you can wait that long, if not, uh, come this Friday, and it'll be super good. And this, these are the shirts that we're wearing. Uh, it, is, it is exclusively on Friday night that it'll be uh, sold for our children, and it's, it's only $5 for the children. Adults are going to be $10. And around it, it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. So it comes after Psalm uh, 139, that verse in there, uh, verse 14, I believe. And it's just reminding our children who they are in Jesus. They, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's, that's what we want to bring to our children, your children. So we're super excited about that. Uh, yeah, just wait till Friday night. That would be so good. Uh, but open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to be continuing in our series talking about values and how we all have values. Every single person has values. And if you don't have your Bible with you, if you have a Bible app, you can open that up. You can use our church app. By the way, our church app has the, uh, has the notes in there. And did I mention the time for Friday night? It's 6 o'clock, and that information also is in our app. But when we, when we look at values and we think about what we value, most of the times we don't actually put a list together to say, here are my values. Normally it just happens as a result of life. That we, we want to, day by day, live a good life, a happy life. We want good relationships. We want a good job. We want a good family. So we try our very best to make it happen. There's a problem with that, though. Because now we're basing our value on if things go 100% the way we intend it to go. Now, we know from life and experience that not everything runs smoothly. Not every day is going to go according to plan. There are things that happen in our lives that we're not prepared for that may kind of bump us off of what we truly value. For instance, let's just say you don't have a value of uh, consistency or a value of honesty or a value of uh, relationships or value of trust, if you don't have that value and it's stated, or where you live by that, then come to a certain situation, it's easier to compromise because you don't have a value. You you can compromise because you don't have that value embedded in your heart and in your soul. It's not something that you live by. So we can compromise because we don't have values that we kind of list or, or put into our hearts. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at some ways in how we can not just put together some values but utilize this thing called time in learning about our values. Tonight we're going to talk about the value of time. How many hours in a day do you have? 24 hours in a day. Do I, do I have any more? Do I have any less? We all have the same amount of time in a day regardless of who you are where you're from how much money you have what job you have no one can change time it is what it is it's 24 hours in a day seven days in a week 365 days in a year so we can't change that but for some reason we try and we often say i don't have enough because i'm too busy i'm too busy i can't do that i don't have enough time and and to some degree, that's, that's true, but really what we're saying is it doesn't make sense because we don't, we don't have time because it is what it is. You, you can't say, oh, I, I need more hours in a day, so now I have time. I don't have enough hours in a day. Where did my time go? We only have now 20 hours in a day. It doesn't work like that, but we speak in that kind of way. And the problem with that kind of mentality is if we're thinking we need more time or we don't have enough time, then we're going to be fighting against something that we, that we cannot win against, which is time. If we had 28 hours in a day, do you think we would be more consistent with things? Do you think we would, be, we would have more time with our family? No, we would fill up whatever time is given to us. Because that's how we are as human beings. So instead of focusing on time, let's focus on something else. Because we're all given the same amount of time to accomplish all that needs to be done and to become all we're supposed to be. But if we're focused primarily on not having enough time or become who we're supposed to be, then we'll always have that struggle of not having enough time, which is the biggest problem. So it's not the time... That I have, that's the problem. The problem is this one word, and the word is energy. How much energy I put into the time I have. You see, you you can say to your family, oh, let's spend time together. And you can spend four hours in the same room together doing nothing, doing your own thing, Oh, I'm going to spend time with my children, and I'm on the computer. No, no, but I'm with you guys. No, no, no. I stayed home today from work, so I can spend time with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Daddy, play. Yeah, yeah, good. Go, I play this. Yeah, good. Do this one. Watch this. Okay, yeah, see? I'm spending time with you. Daddy's here for you. We can say that, but we're not putting any energy there. And we can do that for four hours. Or we can say, you know, Daddy got 15 minutes of undivided attention to you, and you sit with your child. And you play with them, look into their eyes, talk to them, ask them about their life story, ask them how their day was going. If they're two, then you do something else. But you spend that, that can you see that it's, it's that energy that you put into that time that's going to matter? And I tell you something, someone would rather have that 15 minutes of undivided attention than four hours of de- just your presence. So the amount of energy we pour into something is far more valuable than how much time we have in something. And that's what we want to look at tonight. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, Paul the apostle is addressing the church because they're dealing with some things, and they're they're a, they're a a new, it's a new way of thinking for them, this thing called Christianity. They're trying to learn what it means to live with the Spirit of God. Before it was about the laws of God, so they had to follow the laws, which they could never do. But because Jesus came, died for our sins, and then rose from the grave, because he did that, he said, now I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to empower you in how you're supposed to live. In other words, we cannot live a life as a believer apart from the person of the Holy Spirit because we don't have the power on our own to live how we're supposed to or to reach our fullest potential. So God says, I'm going to give you a helper, the paraclete, the helper, the one that comes alongside of you, the counselor, The guide unto all truth. He's going to help you. And we need that help. So Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is saying, "Here's, here's how we're supposed to live as believers. And he starts off by saying this. Follow God's example. In other words, he's our father. We are his children. Follow how dad does things. This is the greatest example. He said, God is the greatest example, so follow him. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So he's saying there is a clear distinction between how we're supposed to live and how we're not supposed to live. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So he's saying, here's how we used to talk. But now you replace that with thanksgiving, that now you have a thankful heart because God is changing us. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So he's speaking of the kingdom of God, he's saying, listen, there's a new way to live, and the way we've been living is not it. Here's the new way, because this is the kingdom of God. Then he says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So he's saying, if you want to have this new lifestyle, if you want to have these values, You're going to have to not partner with those who do not have the same type of values. Now, he's not saying don't reach out to them. He's just saying if you want to establish these new values, then you're going to have to reestablish how you're getting these values, who you're surrounding yourself with, with these types of values that you want to have. Are they going to pull you away from the values that God is trying to give to you? Or are you pulling away from them and saying, God, I want to establish these values with you? For you, were, this is verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. In other words, he's saying, don't give up. You're going to slip up. You're going you're to mess up from time to time. But just keep finding out what pleases the Lord. What, is, what, what makes God happy or what pleases him? How does he get pleased? And the Bible even tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. So our faith in him is required. In verse 11, it says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So Paul is saying there is hope. There is hope. We may be living in darkness, but because of the light of Christ, he's going to shine on you. And then we get to the, 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 the part we want to focus on tonight, and that is in your notes if you're using the, our church app. He says in verse 15, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So he's saying, before, you used to fill yourself up by getting drunk. Now he's saying, kind of get the, use the same principle of filling yourself up, but not with the, the, not with the alcohol. Now fill yourself up with the Spirit. Because the alcohol will lead to this type of stuff. The spirit will lead to these type of things. And the fruit of the spirit, and we know it, love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. In Galatians 5.22. So he's saying when you fill yourself up with the spirit of God, here's the result. If you fill yourself up with other things, this is the result. Darkness and light. In other words, he's saying we have to now shift our value system. You used to value this, now you need to value this. And then he continues, do not... Oh, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in, with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. So what Paul is saying is, this was the old way, this is the new way. And here's how you do it. you got to be careful how you live, not as unwise. We were unwise in all these, the things that we used to do. But now we're wise. We have the wisdom of God. So let's make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, when we walk out of these doors, we're among thorns in this world. Constantly. The days are evil. It's not an easy walk to walk this Christian life. But if we have values and make the most of every opportunity, make the most of our time as wise, and we're asking God for wisdom, then as we walk among thorns as children of light, we'll be able to pierce the darkness. And he's saying, but unless, unless you use wisdom, unless you're being careful, then you're going to have a difficult time. There's a principle called the Pareto principle, and it involves the theories and methods of this one Italian economist who, who thought of this formula to express the distribution of economics to this in, in society. And so he, he thought of this principle, and some of you know it. It's, some of us call it the 80 the 2080 rule, right? That 20% of employees will produce 80% of the work. Like if you look at your workplace, I'm sure you can choose a couple people that says that you can say, "Yep. Yeah, there is 20% of us who work so hard and then there's a couple of them that they don't." And if you can't find that person, might be you. So be careful of, you know, judging other people. Just look at this is, this is who we want to be. We want to p- be the people who are at the top of our game. But it's not just a 20-80 rule. That's more like the principle. It could be that 20% of the people do 100% of the work. But the principle is that there is, a, there is a way to value time and the amount of energy that is put into the time we have. That even 20% of employees can do 80 to 100% of the work. Why? Because they're pouring all of their energies into it. That's why that principle works. We're going to learn how to make the most of the opportunities that God gives to us by understanding what energy is all about and how we can maximize the effectiveness of our time. We're going to learn how we can be wise in the way we live and how we distribute our energies toward things and also with people. And so we're going to look at some values when it comes to our time. And we're going to look at three. Here's the first one, and we want to be very simple, and it's to pour my energy into what is most important first. And I'm going to pour my energy into what is most important first. Because if we just look at our schedule, now we're slave to our schedule. Versus saying, wait a minute, I'm going to pour my energy into what is most important first. So I'm just going to give you a quick example of uh, importance. And we, we, we've heard the story before of a professor who was in his classroom, and he was teaching about values. And so he had this big jar of sand, and he had five huge rocks. And he said, okay, I need you, I need you, to, put, I need you to put these rocks into this jar with all this sand in it. So they tried and they failed because they're trying to shove all of these rocks into this glass bottle. Well, the professor comes back up, pours out the sand, puts all the five rocks in first, and then pours the sand back in, shuffles it, it, lets it settle, pours the rest of the sand in, lets it settle. So now he teaches them that before you do anything else, you put the five rocks in first. Everything else is just sand. The most important things in your life comes first because in the end, everything else is sand. I cannot tell you how many people I'll I'll go and and pray for or talk with or even in the hospital and and talk to them about life. and, And you know what they always come back to? They never tell me, I'm so glad I made all that money. They never tell me, I'm so glad I... I got more jobs. I'm so, they always say this, I wish I spent more time with my family. That's their cry. Now, we, we're here. We, we're, we're in this thing called time. And we do have to work or we, we need income so that we can survive and live. So what we're talking about is a complete balance of how we do this and how do we get those five rocks in and what do those five rocks look like? For me, and if I look at the most important things, uh, the first one, of course, is my time with God. We call it devotions and prayer. And I, I, I must be in the Word of God. If I'm not in the Word of God, it won't be too long before Um, i'm done and 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 because because i truly believe in who god is making me to be because you truly believe in who god is making you to be then spending time with him is so valuable it's one of the rocks that we should have it's spending time with him or like what we're doing tonight we're gathering together on a weekly basis or if you if you come to sundays and wednesdays that you're saying god i'm pouring my energies into my relationship with you that is unbelievable you could be doing anything else right now, but what you're saying is, God, I value you. That speaks volumes, not only to yourself, to God, but your loved ones. And it speaks volumes to people that surround you, your friends. So, that, that first rock, your devotional time and prayer, this one is daily. Like, I needed more than just Sundays and Wednesdays. Like, I love eating. As much as I love food, I don't just eat food because I like food, I eat food so I don't die. How long can I go without food? I don't know. Two, three minutes? I don't know how long, how, how long that we can go without food. I'm always snacking. So we need spiritual food. Because the question is, how long can I go without spiritual food? And I need my spiritual food. So that's the first thing. That's the first rock that we have. It's time, my time with God. And then the second thing is my time with Heidi. It's our date nights. Date night and spending time together, that, that is a rock in my family, in my life because she's my wife. So I want to make sure that that's a part of my life, my time with Heidi. That, that has to be uh, one of the rocks that are put into my life, lest everything else fall apart and I get leakings. So we want to make sure that Whatever, whatever rock you're going to put in there. And if you're not married, if you're single, you find out what that rock is. What is your next rock? What do you need to put into your daily life, your value system? What does that look like? And then also my family. Now, my, my children are grown up. Uh, my two boys, one is 29, one is 23. But I also have grandchildren. And they call me up. Papa, I want to come over. I'm like, it's 9.30. You don't have school tomorrow. We have school. Well, you got to go to school. Papa would love for you to come over, but you have school tomorrow. Can we come over on Friday? We don't have school on Saturday. Let me think about it. <laughs> These kids are brilliant. They set you up, you know, so don't fall for it. But for me, it's, it's family time, and I, and I love the time that I get to spend with them. And then uh, what I love to do is, of course, ministry. And we call it a calling. Like a calling. It's a calling. To me, this has never been about a job. Uh, I always believe, and the Bible speaks it this way, that there is the hireling and then the ones that are the called ones. The hireling, when the wolf comes, the hireling runs away from the the trouble, and that's the hireling that is hired to take care of the sheep. But the one that is called, the one who has that assignment, will be there to guard the sheep. So I always saw this as as a, as a calling. This is just this is who God has made me to be. So I don't I don't stop doing what I'm doing, but I need to make sure that my ministry time and my message prep, getting prepared for tonight, my study time, uh, outreaching and, and connecting with people, my ministry time, uh, uh, growing the staff or, or doing staff training or, or helping them uh, learn and grow, uh, things like that, finding opportunities for them to get sharper. Uh, that's my ministry, and that's who God made me to be, casting vision and, and, and so forth. That's, that's one of my rocks. And then, of course, people. And this includes you, uh, our church, uh, people that I run into, uh, people that I meet. It's just people in general. God has called me to be a person that just loves people. That's who he called all of us to be, that we are to love God and love others as ourselves. So unless I put these rocks in, in my life, sand will take up my days. And if sand takes up my days, at the end of the week, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not productive. I'll look back on my week and say, what did I do with my whole week? What did I do today? Was I even productive today? Did I do anything? In other words, what did I value today? Did I value these five rocks or was it just sand? Because that will give me, God bless you, because that will give us a, an idea of what we truly value. Because if I value sand, I have to be honest with myself and say, you know what? I've been valuing sand all this time. But now that I know that, now I want to get to the rocks of my life. And then you pray and ask the Lord, what are my five rocks? What does that look like? The Bible even tells us in Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you as well or be given to you as well. In other words, God is saying, when you put in the five rocks, the major things, I can add whatever else, and it won't take you away. It won't, it won't diminish you, and it won't devalue you, nor will it knock you down because you have foundation in your life. Everything else can be added. And at the same time, if I don't have time for other things, or if I, don't, if I have my rocks in first and my time runs out of my day, but I did my five rocks, it, it really doesn't affect me. It, it just doesn't affect me because I made sure I took care of my five rocks. But if I was doing all this sand, and then at the end of the week, I'm trying to just shove a rock in there, it, you'll get frustrated. You'll get stressed out. You'll, you'll start to bicker and complain with each other. And you, you will have a difficult time because you're trying to make this rock work. Some of us know it as hitting rock bottom. Or we say it like this, oh, my marriage right now is just rocky. My relationship with my son, my daughter, so-and-so is rocky right now. Why? Because you're, now you're trying to fit this in when all this time it was just sand. So we have to reevaluate and rethink that we're, we need to seek first the kingdom of God and pour my energies into what is most important. You know, as we get ready for our, our marvelous Ohana night this Friday, there is so much work to be done, so many things to be done. But I kind of got our team together and said, look, let's just do the best that we can with what we have, and then we can continue on from there on. But if we're doing this and we come to Ohana night and present whatever we're going to present, God will be pleased because each individual is making sure that we're taking care of what we need to, that we're in the word of God, making sure we're doing our devotions, making sure we're hearing God's voice because work will always need to be done. But, it, but I, I, cannot, I cannot do outside things when this is not even in yet. i got to make sure I'm doing these things. And will you slip from time to time? Absolutely. That's what Paul was saying. He saying, listen, these things are going to happen. But then we, we come back and then we reevaluate, we restructure, we revalue and rethink how, we're, how we've been doing things. Paul was bringing in a system that they could use because he knew that from time to time we're going to miss a rock or two. And then we get back on track, dump out the sand, and then redo some things. Find out what your five rocks are and what that looks like. And you might have to sit down with your spouse. You, together, just sit down and evaluate and say, what are our five rocks? What does that look like? And you may be separate. You may have yours, and she'll have hers. Or you can do it separate and say, let's start with ten rocks. You do your ten, I'll do my ten, and then narrow it down to five. But the principle is that you're going to pour your energies into what is most important. First, the second thing is to focus on heart more than time because we can't change time, but we can change heart. We can definitely change heart. And God is the master at changing our hearts. He is so good at heart surgery because He's the one that knows how the heart operates. When it comes to our time, there are going to be two things that will change, guaranteed. When it comes to time, two things will change guaranteed, that it will never stay the same, guaranteed. It is our schedule and our age. Those things will change, guaranteed. So if we look at our energies, we also have to adapt our energies according to our age, even our schedules, because that changes. For instance, my children are grown up. So my schedule changed because I no longer need to go uh, take them to school or practices or things like that. But now my grandchildren are, are, you know, up in age 8, 6, and 4. That's their ages. And because they're 8, 6, and 4, I am 8 years older than when my first, you know, my first child, uh, grandchild was born. So I'm 8 years older. I was 37 as a grandpa. <laughs> wow. And then, so actually, it's not that bad being 45, but that's not the point. As he grew up, now he's eight, he he wants to play not with Papa, but on Papa. Like he wants to jump on my back after church, watch them. They run up to me and they just jump on me. So my energy has to almost match that or I tell them, don't jump on Papa. (laughs) My back is sore, you know, because it has to match that. So because my age changes and my schedule changes, I have to watch my heart in everything I do. Because it's going to be the heart that would determine how much energy is poured out into something. I remember early on in ministry when we were Heidi and I were learning about scheduling and, and ministry and, and my my my, uh, my time here and uh, when I was volunteering that was that was an amazing time and then I came uh, full halftime I was halftime here on staff uh, just part time and so I would uh, drive home which was only about five minutes away and have lunch and Heidi would be there, or the boys would be there during spring break or summertime, and then I would say, Heidi, I have like, I have like 15 minutes. I got, I got to run back up, so let's eat real quick, and then um, I got to go back up. So we'd hurry up, eat, and then I would leave. Thank you. Thank you for lunch. Okay, bye. See you guys later. Bye, Dad. Okay, and then we leave, and then after a while, Heidi said, you know, when you come home for lunch, like, how come you got to go back so fast? You, I, I know you have an hour for lunch, but like, you come home, and then you leave. I said, Heidi, there's so much to do. I just want to make sure everything's done. And she said, but where's, where's our time? I said, what do you mean? I, I come home, and I, I'm, I'm here. And she goes, yeah, but it's just like you're, you're here for a little bit. The boys don't get to see you, and then you're gone. I said okay, and I got offended. I was like, okay, okay. When I come home, then you better give me your undivided attention, and the boys better play at me. Like I said, so it's almost like I was pulling, putting, putting like parameters. Okay, when I come home, then they gotta listen, and then make sure they don't yell at me, and make sure they, they listen to me, make sure you know they put things away. And so, so when I would come home I'd say, okay, daddy's home, let's play, and I'll just kind of go through the motions for 15 minutes. Okay, dad, gotta go. Okay, bye. And then after a while, she's like, you know what? It's like you're here, but you're not here. I said, what do you mean? I'm I'm here, but I'm not here. That don't make sense. She goes, no, 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 you're here physically, but you're not here, like, like, you're not here with them. So we got into fight after fight, and I said, what do you want me to do? I said, and I remember saying, you let me quit. Inside, I was like, please don't tell me quit. Please don't tell me quit. <laughs> and she goes, no, I don't, no, that's not the idea at all. I said, okay, so what do you want me to do? She said, just be more mindful of the 15 minutes. that. So we got into fight after fight. So finally, God brought in, good correction and so he said hey um how about if you are faithful with the 15 minutes for the both of you just be faithful with the 15 minutes so i I came home one day i said okay heidi i'm trying my very best to come home for lunch and then spend the amount of time that i need to but sometimes it's just that busy so how about we do this let's be faithful with the 15 minutes because all we do for the 15 minutes for the past couple of months is fight with the time we have so it's like, what, what are we, why even have 15 minutes if all we're doing is fighting? So we prayed and we said, okay, let's, let's focus on those 15 minutes and let's just enjoy the time together with our family. I said, let's, let's try that. And it's amazing that God's Pareto principle, if you think of it in that way, that he said, if you're faithful in the little time you have now, then you'll be faithful in having much more time later. And it's amazing that those 15 minutes that we got to spend with our boys and together, was, it was now with heart. Because not only was I present there, but my heart was engaged also. That I poured my heart into that amount of time. And it changed everything. And it's, it's like when, when, when the heart is involved, then it's, it's so much more, not just noticeable, but received. Because it's not about the time poured into it. It's the amount of heart poured into whatever time is given. My children would rather have 15 minutes of my heart than one day of my time with no heart. Because those are the things they remember for life. It was a nation of Israel when Israel wanted a king. They're saying, we want a king like the other nations. We need someone to rule over us. In other words, they were rejecting God's rule. They said, we want a king. So God says, they want a king? Give them a king. So they got a king, and his name was Saul. Well, Saul turned out to be a horrendous king, not a good king. And then there was another king that they were going to choose that God said to Samuel the prophet, you need to go and choose the son of Jesse. So Samuel goes, and now he sees the sons of Jesse. And he goes between these brothers and he's saying, oh, surely that's the one. Lord, surely, he says, no, nope, not, not that one. Okay, next one. Oh, surely this guy, this guy's handsome and he looks fit for a king. He says, no, that's not the one. He says, what? How can this be? So he goes through all of the brothers. And then the Lord speaks to him in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The Lord speaks to Samuel and says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And finally, he goes and finds David, because David wasn't even a part of his brothers being chosen. He had, Samuel had to actually ask Jesse, hey, are these all your children? Yep, all of them. Well, there's, there's one like ruddy teenager. It's like, a teenager though. I don't think you want the teenager. I mean, he's a He's a, a teenager. You know how teenagers are, Samuel. Come on. Really? Yeah, go get him. Well, they bring in David, and Samuel says, that's the one. Jesse is thinking, that's not the one. No, you don't want we, this. This is not the king. And Samuel, Samuel recognizes something that God recognizes, that David, and we read later on in the New Testament, David was a man after God's own heart. That's who we model after. We model after God's heart. So if you're, if you're at a place that you're saying, I, but I don't know, I don't know how to, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to do these five rocks. I don't know how to adjust my, my energies into the time I have. Yeah, my age is different. My schedule changes. I don't know how to do that. Look, look to God. He's the greatest example of pouring your energy into something. And when I say energy, it's not energy as in, you know, new age spiritual thing. Oh, energy, there's so much energy around here. It's not that. It's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's the, it's, it's the joy, the strength that God gives to us that we can pour out into other people and into our families. And I'm just being real. Sometimes people come up to me, oh, I love that you're talking about the energies. You know, the energies. I was talking about the energies. So I just want to make that crystal clear. But that, that's, where, that's where God is saying this is what determines your energy. It's always going to be your heart. That God was l- letting Samuel know that when the heart is determined, when the heart, is, uh, when the heart has that, that joy and that strength of it, there's nothing that can stop that kind of heart. That kind of heart is unstoppable. That's where the energy comes from. It comes from the heart. When a game is on the line, I'm not even going to bring up Sunday because I know you have Patriots and Eagles. Yeah, Eagles! But you have these two teams battling back and forth but the one thing that i could see was that one team was working as a machine because they're i mean they're just clockwork they know what to do they've been there and then you watch this other team they had heart and not saying that this team didn't have heart they had heart absolutely or you don't get to the super bowl but usually usually the one that has the heart wins or the, the one that has more heart, I guess you could put it that way. Because it's like they're hungrier. they will find a way to make it work. And they're not operating as a machine in what used to work. It's their, their heart is involved in it. And, they, and no matter what, they could be tired, bleeding, sick, broken arm. They'll, they'll say, coach, put me in. I'm, I'm in the game. I can still play because I have the heart they can still do that because the heart produces the necessary amount of energy that is required to complete whatever it is that you have the amount of time for. That's what the heart does. You know what that reminds me of, that kind of heart? Moms. Moms. Now, I'd love to say dads too, but there are just some things that we dads just don't do when we're sick and dying with a headache <laughs> that moms can do when they have like 150 fever throwing up and they still take care of the children in such a way that is phenomenal not judging the heart of a man but there's something in moms and god put it there it's like he's saying you moms you, you have a quality about you because you give birth to children So, men, if we ever want to learn about the heart more than time, look to the moms. Because these moms, they are phenomenal. The way you raise children and how you do what you do is just phenomenal. You could be sick out of your mind, but you still do what needs to be done. I get on splinter, I'm out cold. (laughs) Like, <laughs> you know why we're laughing? Because it's true. So I'm just being truthful here. But the last thing is this, not just focus on the heart more than time, but, but stay, and I'm, I'm joking to some degree, to some degree, uh, but stay connected to God. That's the last thing. Stay connected to God, who is the source of our energy. That's who God is. He's, he's our source. He's the one that he, he provides for us, that strength that he gives to us, the, the way we need to think, the wisdom that he gives. The Israelites, they build the walls of Jerusalem. If you read in the book of Nehemiah, they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah looks at the walls and he says, it's in ruins. He's distraught. He needs to to gather his thoughts. And finally, they get permission to rebuild the walls. It's fully funded. They rebuild the walls in 52, in in a record time of 52 days. So now they're going to celebrate. Ezra comes out, the prophet, and he starts reading the books of the law, the laws of God. And now he's reading the laws of Moses from the morning to noon. So no complain if church go long. These guys was from 9 in the morning to 12 noon, three hours. And they wept. They were so excited about what was happening. And they were cheering. They're shouting to God. They're praising God. And they're weeping at the same time. As well as thinking of, boy, we've, we've missed the mark so many times. And God has been so faithful. And so they're, they're going through all of these emotions. And then Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8, verses 9 through 12. Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites. Did I say Ezra the prophet? I apologize. Ezra the priest. And the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, he said, this, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. In other words, it's time to party. This is when we're going to celebrate. So go go drink. And he's not saying get drunk. He's just saying go drink and, and have fun. Enjoy the food and send to those who don't have. In other words, let everyone celebrate because this day is holy to our Lord. And then he says this. He says, do not grieve. Do not grieve for the joy of your Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. In other words, Nehemiah himself and Ezra the priest said, here's where we are. Let's realign ourselves to God's value system. Let's not get emotional about this because emotions are not the strength of the Lord. It's the joy or the the emotions of your soul is not where your strength is going to come from. It's the joy of the Lord that will be your strength. And when when Nehemiah brings this in and Ezra reads the word of God, everyone begins to understand. And the, the reason why they began to understand is because now they were realigning themselves, staying connected to God. They had been disconnected for a while. And now they're saying, Lord, we want to stay connected with you because you are the source of our strength. It's the joy of the Lord. It's your love for us, and it's your strength in us that are going to be what brings us into our future. That's the joy of the Lord, not the emotions that are going to be our strength. God is the source of our energy, and he proves that. And if you've ever been lacking in, your, in, in joy, and if you've ever been feeling like, boy, I, 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 I get emotional from time to time. Yeah, sure, hormones are going to do you know, part of that. But at the same time, I have to go back and say, Lord, am I connected with you? Or am I distant from you? Do I have to go back to one of my rocks being my time with you, Lord? And maybe you started off great in the beginning of the year. Maybe you tapered off, but just get that rock back in. You may have to pour out some sand first and get rid of the unnecessary things, and then get back into the Word of God. It's amazing. We can can spend time doing pretty much anything else without even a second thought. But When it comes to the Word of God, it's a fight and a struggle, which is the indication that this is what is needed for our soul. And you know what you're fighting? You're not fighting time. You're not fighting the fact that I don't understand the Word of God. You know what you're fighting? You're warring against flesh and blood. That's your fight. Your flesh doesn't want to read this. Your flesh doesn't want to spend time with God. Your flesh loves when we're farther away from God. But when, you, when you're connected to God, your spirit is built up. And when your spirit is built up, now you're valuing more of the energy you're pouring into that time with God than it is just spending time with God. And when you stay connected to God, that source of energy is consistent and and as we continue on in the future, he helps us along the way, no matter what life looks like, because it's his joy that is our strength. He even said this in Psalm 90, verse 12, and I'll close with this, so we can bring up the worship team. The psalmist says it like this, so teach us to number our days, but here's the second part, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I pray that tonight we would say the same thing, that, Lord, teach us to number our days because they're going to be there. Teach us to do that, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Could you say amen to that? You can put your Bibles away in your notes, and we're going to close in prayer. our heads with me and close your eyes for a moment. Heavenly Father, we know that when we reevaluate, the word value is in there. Sometimes we forget about what we should truly value. But it's times like this that we get to revisit where we are at this stage of life, what our schedule looks like, and where our energies are going, and just reevaluate. And the value of time, Lord, is something that is, it's a blessing from you, but it's the amount of energy that we pour into the time that we have. So, Lord, I pray that as we think through our five rocks, those those things that are most important, that as we seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all the sand will be added in later. But we pray for those five rocks, whether it would be family time or or time with our children. It could be time with you, reading your word, getting into the Bible, prayer time. Whatever it is, Lord, can you speak to us what our five rocks would be, and that we'd write it down and list it and even put it in our hearts. And I pray for all of us tonight, Lord, as we step into this next season together, that we would learn and grow. I pray for us as a church, Lord, that as you continue to grow us as a people, as we build our spirit, as we go out into the world, that we would reach out to other people who don't know you. You've given us an assignment, Lord, that is one of our values, that we love people into your kingdom. So help us, Lord, as we kind of conclude tonight, but we don't finish here, Lord. We actually begin because when we leave here, that's when ministry really begins. So pour out your spirit, Lord, into our hearts so that as we leave, we didn't just attend church. We became more of the church together. We pray this in your precious name, Lord, and we all said together, amen, amen. Can we thank Jesus for who he is?